So today we're going to wrap up five weeks. You guys ready to land the plane? This has been really good. Dina was mentioning just the, the incredible um, interest in this. I, I'm surprised in a day and age where, you know, there's, there's a lot of maybe the pendulum swinging towards just let's just make it so tangible and understandable to everybody that maybe we stop talking to maybe people that wanted to go a little bit deeper into things. Maybe that's one explanation. Uh, maybe it involves golfing and it's February and people just want to see anything green. I don't know. But for whatever reason, it's been great. And we're going to land it today. What we've been talking about is the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We call the series the nine. And the best analogy I've ever known for this really is this. The gifts of the Spirit come at certain times. There's a fan that's really loud. Technical guys, turn off the fan behind me, please. Turn off the fan. Turn off the giant slide. Thank you. So um, the, 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 the role that this club plays is just helping us to remember that, like, my, when my father taught me how to play golf, he taught me a swing, but the swing had different clubs. The different clubs created different effects. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit being something like that, where they say here, you know, the Holy Spirit says, here's a gift, it's the word of wisdom. You don't know what to do. No one knows what to do. But here, I'm going to give you wisdom from God's perspective that no one else can see. I'm going to give you knowledge. I'm going to give you knowledge to know things that there's no way of knowing. You just call somebody because you just feel like you should. You, someone calls you and says, I just felt like I should be, I've been praying for the last couple of days. What's going on? The word of knowledge. We talk about prophecy and all these different things. Matter of fact, let's just, let's just recap some of these. But before we do, remember this. The gifts of the Spirit are all for today. Come on, say amen. If you got nothing out of this, there should be an expecting and whatever it is inside of you that God gave you to expect, that God's going to be handing you clubs, that the Holy Spirit continues to do cool stuff today. There's nothing in Scripture that even hints that there's a season for these that will pass away. We talked about in the first two messages why some people have gone in that direction. We applaud, we enjoy, we stand in unity of the Spirit, albeit maybe not some unity in doctrine. We have unity of the Spirit with all believers that love Jesus. Amen? So this is what doesn't make us special, doesn't make us different. We don't want to be different. We want to be like Jesus wants us to be, right? But we see as we look at Scripture that there's no clue that this is for a season and it goes away. There's not a hint. And I've been studying the Bible for 30 years, so forgive me if that contradicts what you're raised in. I'm sure those who taught you the Holy Spirit did something in the apostolic age, the first 40, 50 years of the church that stopped doing it. I'm sure they have good reasons for that. And if I could find a good verse to back it up, I'd agree with them. I can't. I find just the opposite. I see Jesus promising us that these things you see me do, you should do these things. And even what? Greater things in my name. So God's going to promise spirit in the last days, Joel chapter 2. Well, Peter announces on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, this is the beginning of that season called the last days. There's nothing after the last days. So God who poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost is still God who pours out his spirit today. God's doing amazing stuff. So let's review the gifts of the spirit, and then we'll get into the teaching today. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Now, to one, there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by, the, by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. We've taught on all of these by, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So let's go back to the one that we're talking about today, or the two. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. The last two gifts we're going to talk about 
Um, they're a little bit different than the other ones, to be really honest with you. In a congregational setting, maybe they're similar, but, but when we get into things like praying in the Spirit, or the Spirit being poured out on us, and the manifestation of the Spirit being uh, prayer, it, it seems like the, this has a different set of purposes beyond just a congregational setting. In other words, when I have a word of wisdom, that's great for a church, that's great for a ministry situation. Marriage counseling, a word of wisdom, is very useful. It'll save people six months of counseling just to get to the root on the first try. Amen. Any of you ever done marriage counseling? It's like, listen, I know the problem. I just don't know how to get you to see the problem. And also you say, well, it's like this. And you start talking and you have no idea where you're going. Have you ever had that experience? Happens to me all the time. I don't even know what I'm thinking until I hear myself say it. And it's got me in more trouble, but it's also got me out of trouble. I, matter of fact, that was just one of those moments right there. So, uh, but, but this one's a little different because this one seems to have a multifaceted set of purposes. This is, this is a daily thing. This is a congregational thing. This is a sign that points to Jesus thing. This is, it's a different kind of thing, but it's still the same spirit. You see that same, the same spirit, the same spirit, one and the same spirit. Paul says over and over again, he's talking to polytheists, and if you want, if you want rain, you go to the rain god. You want the sun, you go to the sun god. You want the harvest, you go to the harvest god. You, you're afraid that your kids are going to be messed up. You, you offer one of them to the, the one that likes baby sacrifice god. Like this, it's that screwed up. He's saying, listen, every good and perfect gift comes from one god. He, he is not the, the, the downtown that has the shoe store and the, the you know, this store. He's Walmart, man. He's got it all. You know what I mean? And it's, it's even cheaper. It cost him a lot, but it's free. It's free for us. So let's talk about some of those roles. Uh, that, that this might be playing in. Number one, it's a sign for unbelievers to believe. And we see this on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. So this is the, the church that had gathered. Jesus has been crucified, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait because you're going to get like a, a high five from heaven. The power that's promised, it's coming your way and, and wait there until you get it. Now I can see somebody going, now how do we know we get the, the, the power of God? It won't be a guessing situation. We'll see. When the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together and bewilderment. Isn't it nice when the crowd asks you the questions? So they're not saying, hey, you don't want to hear this, but here's something you need to know. They're, the crowd gathered, and they're like, what is going on? And they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, now, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? They, they all talk like they're from Oklahoma. They've all got the Galilean accent. And here I, I hear him speaking in Portuguese and French and Italian and Spanish with, with, with perfect accents declaring the glories of God. Aren't these all native-speaking uh, Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now, these are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Resumites, uh, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygera, Toledo, and on and on and on it goes. Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what means? If this, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine because we all know when when you get drunk, you speak fluent foreign languages. What a bunch of idiots, right? There's always somebody that goes, "Well, that's you know, that's explainable through wine." Like, no, you're explainable through wine. That's not you know. I remember the time I got hammered and I woke up speaking Portuguese. No one ever said. 
So they're like, ah, they just had too much wine. So they're smiling. They're, they're obviously happy. They're obviously, they're declaring the glory. They're worshiping. No one really knows what's going on but God. And it wasn't like a big show. Just people going, hey, what are they saying? What's going on? And it spontaneously happened. God poured out the spirit. They hear something. They see something. They say something because they've experienced someone. So it's a sign for unbelievers. Oh, is it a good sign? Let's find out. Those who accepted his message, this is later on, same chapter, they were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Pretty good sign. Pretty good sign. And you can see why um, tongues are sometimes compared to, in my analogy here as a driver, you know, this, this stick gets the ball a long ways from where I'm standing. It, it, the same amount of effort to pitch something from here to the back of the room with a pitching wedge will get it, you know, 200 yards that way and 100 yards that way if I hit the ball, right? So there's a lot more going on here. It really was a, was a driver. It drew a cry. There's a sign. There was a wonder. They're amazed. They're bewildered. They're asking questions. Peter gets up and says, this is that. Joel prophesied this. This is that. And the Jesus that you crucified is Lord and Christ. Cut to the heart. They said, brothers, what shall we do? We said, repent and be baptized, all of you. So it's interesting. It wasn't a philosophy that came their way. This sign, this wonder, this gift drew a crowd, amazed them. There was no earthly explanation. How many guys know when the supernatural comes, a person with an argument is never at the mercy of a person with an experience? Well, I don't think that's for today. Sorry, I've experienced it, so there's really no debate. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't believe that. I don't care. I, you know, I ate a cheeseburger. They're good. I don't believe in cheeseburgers. I don't care. Now do I not care that you don't believe in cheeseburgers? I'm going to celebrate your ignorance by eating yours. Give me yours. I don't believe in them either. Give them to me. I'll get rid of these things. I have a place for them. I store them, right? It's a great sign. So one of the things, one of the biblical reasons for tongues is it was a sign for, for unbelievers to believe. Paul comes back to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to discuss it again in a congregational setting. Unbelievers believe when they see something supernatural. Jesus says this. I'm off my notes, but here we go. He says, you believe because of these signs. Because I'll tell you this. You, sh you should believe in what I'm saying, but you should also believe because of the signs. Matter of fact, if there are no signs accompanying what I'm saying, you have the right not to believe what I say. Isn't that an interesting statement? If all I have is morality without manifestation, you have a right to question my morality. Because my message of being good sounds a lot like everybody else's message to be good. Isn't it strange the day and age we live in, one of the greatest um, arguments against Christianity is it's just like all the other religions. It's not when miracles, signs, and wonders happen. It's not when the supernatural happens naturally on a daily basis. We as salt and light of Jesus should be pursuing the greater works Jesus promised us we would do. Come on. Don't give me that look. My name's Jim, and I'm your friend. <laughs> My name's Jim, Pastor Jim, and I'm your friend. And I'm here to tell you, there's a life worth living through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a morality that's wonderful in Christianity. That's great. We should, we should think about morality. We should talk about morality. But the holiness of God should come from relationship with God. If we're going to have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, we should see the Holy Spirit working in more than just the fact that we don't cuss nearly as much as we used to. Because there's some people that don't know Jesus that never cussed at all because they had good moms. And dads, I suppose, are probably involved in there too. Second thing, it's the evidence of being filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit being poured out. We see this as, as evidence. I'll show you this. It's a story in uh, Acts chapter 10 about a guy named Cornelius. Everybody here that's not a, a full-blooded Jewish person, you draw your, your lineage of faith to this encounter in Acts chapter 10. It says this. 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So he's been called. There's been a vision. There's been stuff ascending and descending. He gets in a boat. He goes to another town. He walks into a house full of Gentiles as an Orthodox Jew. Let me give you the backstory. And he goes, I, you know, God, show me. It's okay for me to walk in here. Like, the law says don't do this, but the Holy Spirit told me to do it. So how many of you guys know sometimes God's allowed to break his own laws? Like gravity? That kind of stuff, right? So he, he, he does what he shouldn't do, but he does it because God tells him to do it through visions and confirmations and people that appear to him and talk to him. So these people show up as servants. He goes with them to, to Joppa, and, and here we go. So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, these are the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been what? Say it with they had been poured out even on Gentiles. You've got to be kidding me. The Taliban can speak in tongues? They're the bad guys. They're, they're, they wear the black hats. They're the ones that kill the cowboys. They're the, they're, they're, there's, no, there's no way these are the bad guys. And yet, they're like, wow, God loves people at a greater level than we recognize. And this is why they knew the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Look at that. For they heard them doing what? Speaking in and praising God. Then Peter said, well, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we order that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter, hey, could you stick around for a few days? Because this is freaking us out. <laughs> Listen, so they saw this as a sign. Like, like, how do you know the Holy Spirit's come on somebody? He goes, well, I, I, can, I can tell the Holy Spirit's come on them because we see, we hear the thing that happened to us is happening to them. So you say, well, it is, so I thought it just happened on the day of Pentecost. No, Acts chapter 2, it happens in Jerusalem with Jews. Acts chapter 8, it happens in Samaria with Samaritans. Now, now it's interesting because there, there's no sign that someone spoke in tongues. The Bible doesn't say they spoke in tongues. But something did physically happen because a guy named Simon, who was a sorcerer prior to his conversion, walks up to Peter and John and goes, hey, that is so cool. And you lay your hands on people. Like, like they, they, had been, they believed the word of God. They'd been baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John go down to Samaria and, says, and they lay their hands on them. When they lay their hands on them, something happens. The Bible doesn't record what it is, but something happens. So that Simon, the sorcerer, goes, hey, that's a good trick. I'm going to pay you. What, would you. what would you charge me to teach me how to do that? And Peter goes, oh, dude, <laughs> there's dumb, and then there's dumb. Like that. And he actually says, may your money perish with you that you thought you could buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's a no-no, and there's like a no-no. And there's something else beyond that. You went beyond that. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, listen, I don't know what happened, but I know it was something Simon saw. Because if I walk out this and go, bam, see there? And you're like, no. I don't know. I touched it, and now it's different. You're like, looks the same to me. But I walked up to that, and all of a sudden, it got up and started running, running around singing, be our guest, be our guest, put our service. You'd be like, wow, how'd you do that? So something wonderful and visible, audible, we don't know, happened in Acts chapter 8, just like it did in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus going to persecute the believers in Damascus. On the way, he meets Jesus. That will ruin your theology. He's knocked to the ground. He's blind. He's led by the hand into Damascus, house on Straight Street, Ananias, so a disciple in that town. The Holy Spirit says, go talk to Saul of Tarsus. He's like, he's like Hitler coming to kill me. I, I, I don't want to go talk. I like what he says. Um, there are reports about this man. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. <laughs> Anybody ever said that to God? Like, good thought, but there's some things you don't know. <laughs> and, uh, so he says, go. So, okay, I guess I'm going to go die. He walks in his brother Saul. I thought I think that he starts the word with brother. Brother Saul, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus whom you met on the road to Damascus yeah, here has sent me to you that you might be baptized, that you might receive your sight, 
back again, and then you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, again, we have no message of tongues that was recorded here, but we do know something happened because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul makes a statement in verse 16, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we know that at some point in time, again, we see this as a sign, Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles in Caesarea we just talked about, they spoke in tongues. No one coaches them. No one told them what to do. It's just what they did. Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, again, we find disciples. They've repented. They've been baptized. And Paul says, well, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. He goes, well, it's, so he teaches them, lays his hands on them, and again, they speak in tongues. So people say, you know, well, it only happened in, in the book of Acts. It's not, I mean, it's true in the book of Acts, but it's not just in, in Jerusalem. It's Judea. It's Samaria, it's Philippi, it's Ephesus, it's Corinth, it's Rome. I, I'm telling you, if you look at it, is, was this normal? It seems abnormal. This was a normal part of Christianity. Can I tell you something? I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still a normal part of Christianity. There was a girl one time, and she was in a discipleship group, and you had to witness to somebody every day, and you had to read your Bible. She said, listen, I, I'm going to drop out. It's just too hard. I said, what's hard about it? And she said, I just, I don't want to do this. I just want to be a normal Christian. I said, let's do this. Read the book of Acts. You tell me what's involved in a normal Christian's life. And if you still want to be a normal Christian, I, I'll accept your resignation from the program. She came back the next day and said, I don't want to be a normal Christian. This is nothing compared to being a normal Christian. Like normal Christians get beaten. Normal Christians get imprisoned. Normal Christians cast out demons. Normal, normal Christians, um, you know, have to deal with the demonic realm. Normal Christians are, have to have signs, wonders, and miracles. Normal Christians aren't just nice people, are they? Like, no. They're not just nice people. They're nice, dangerous people, people that take back dark places. So, again, this is a, a uh, go back to the slide, but it's the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptizing with the Holy Spirit, being overwhelmed, being overcome, being experiencing, you know what I mean, the Holy Spirit. So, next thing is this. It's a prayer language. Remember in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in languages they didn't know, but other people did understand them. Well, that's, that's the last time in the, in the Bible that a language being spoken was understood by its hearers. There's another gift we'll talk about in a moment, but again, that gift doesn't enable you to understand individual words. It's more like a prophetic, like somebody said something, we'll get to it in a minute. So there, there's also a prayer language involvement in this. So and Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. Now, he's talking about not the day of Pentecost because they were speaking, but, but they were speaking to people. He goes, no, no, it's in Corinth, as I'm instructing you now, when you're speaking in tongues, when you're praying in tongues, uh, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by their spirit. Look at the next one here. For if I pray in a tongue, Paul says, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So you might say, well, how is that helpful to, to kind of find a place of prayer or maybe trying to express myself in worship or, you know, how, how is praying in a language I don't understand or speaking in a language I don't understand helpful? Um, I think there's a couple things to consider. Number one is this. Paul, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So let, let's just say this. I don't think what he's saying is the volume of the words I speak are greater than all of you. Do you agree with that? So he's, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I pray in tongues longer than you. It's not what he said. I'm grateful that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I, th I think what he's saying is I'm more grateful for this gift of praying in a language I don't understand more so than you guys are. Now, why would Paul be more grateful for a language that is spirit-empowered in prayer over everybody else? Anybody got any thoughts? Like, why would that be? And my thought is this. Paul was dealing with things that no one else had to deal with ever. He's got a church that doesn't know which direction to go. He's got all the problems. He's got, he's got people in multiple locations. 
Everywhere he goes, one of two things happen, and sometimes there's a combination of the first two. There's a revival, or there's a riot, or there's a revival and a riot. He's beaten, he's imprisoned, he's shipwrecked. He's beaten with, rob, with rods, disciplined. He's been chained. He's, he's spent a night and a day in the open sea because the boat he was on sank. I'm sorry, Navy guys. The ship he was on sank. Navy guys got that. Thank you for the three of you that chuckled. The army guys are like, I don't get it. Um, they're, they're, he, he is living a life very different. How many guys know that, that sometimes you don't know what to pray? How many guys know probably Paul lived there? So what do you pray? Well, I pray for my organizational chart, that the people I've put into positions of authority would do them well, because I've given them all manuals to know exactly what to do in every circumstance. He doesn't have that. What does he have? He has, God, if you'll pray through me today the perfect prayer given to me by your Holy Spirit, that I know that whatever this mouth says will be what you would say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray words I don't know because I have questions I can't possibly understand. So if you'll pray through me, I'll be the instrument for the, for the wind to create the sound of, of the Spirit of God praying on the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Like, guys, I don't, know, I don't know what a perfect prayer sounds like. I mean, Jesus said, this is how you pray, and I think if we repeated that over and over and over again, it, I don't think that's the perfect prayer. I think the perfect prayer is the prayer that, that we need to say right now. I know this. When I pray perfectly, the problem I walk into prayer with, I don't walk out with. Something's been relieved. Now, I'm not saying the problem's gone, but, but the problem is gone. There's a peace that passes understanding when I know, when I feel a sense of relief, like I just gave that to God. I cast my cares on Him. Not like, oh, God's got this, but like, I don't know God has this. And I walk in, I say, God, do you, you got this? God, is, I mean, okay, and I start quoting scripture to my problem. I start, and sometimes if the problem's big enough, I'll find myself kind of like, Jim just has nothing else to say. I'll say, God, would you just pray a perfect prayer through me right now? And guess what comes every time I pray that? You'll never guess. It's a huge biblical mystery, right? So it gives us like an incredible an incredible advantage in life to pray a perfect prayer every time we pray. And, and look, guys, Ephesians and Ephesus, I pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. It talks about praying always, continually staying in the Spirit. It talks about not treating prophecies with contempt. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit are everywhere in the New Testament. Now, the book of Acts doesn't record everything that happens in every church, but we can tell from the teachings of Paul, he's talking to people that have experienced the things that we've been talking about for the last five weeks. I'm here to tell you guys, there is more to Christianity than morality. There's a supernatural, beautiful, powerful world that is waiting for you to engage it. Now, the last gift we have to talk about is this, and that's the congregational gift. So uh, when, when someone, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, this is in a congregational setting, if anyone here in this room speaks in a tongue, two at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. Now, why is there a must interpret? Because if someone starts just screaming in tongues, it has the tendency just to freak everybody out. It has the tendency to draw attention to someone. Um, long history, short time, just saying. Good teaching. But that, when Paul's telling us right there, it's good. It's important. It's powerful, right? Someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter through this gift of interpretation, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So again, there's an edifying as I'm praying in the Spirit. There's a perfect prayer that's being prayed. I really had a... Uh, can I give you like two minutes of my own personal story? Okay, all right. A piano guy, come join me because I'm just so much better with piano in the background. It was a dark night in 1943. I... Uh, 
Some of you guys have the privilege of being raised with faith. I was raised with atheism. I was not an atheist because God had disappointed me, so I refused to believe in him. I was an atheist because he didn't fit into my laboratory. He didn't fit into my brain. He didn't fit into my life. I remember asking God as a, as a causal, cause and effect, empirical science experiment one time, if you're real, make an apple appear. I closed my eyes. I said it sincerely. I opened my eyes. There is no apple. Therefore, there is no God. Does that make sense? Everybody know we can think logically to really stupid conclusions, right? God is love. Love is blind. Stevie Wonder is God. It's like, no. How did you? You were doing so well. And then you thought, you know? So, I, I'm not, again, I'm not a militant atheist. I'm just, I don't, I don't believe it. Well, believing, because I encountered the love of God through Jesus Christ at a rock concert, I believed that. But when I came, uh, no discipleship, military, back into addiction, estranged from God, hating myself for it because he'd done so much for me, coming back to God in a church that believed in the gifts of the Spirit. So now it's time not just to believe that Jesus loves me. I've experienced that. Now it's time to experience, you know, praying in tongues, prophecy, congregational gifts, interpretation. And there was, there was a, a season in Pentecost where it was almost, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be funny, but it is funny now. I don't, but I'm not mocking. I, I mean, I'm not mocking. But it was almost like in order to be the person that congregationally spoke in tongues, you had to have blue hair. Remember when gray, they used to spray the gray, but it was so gray it was blue? Remember that? You had to be like 90, and you had to have a voice that was just the same as, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. And they would scream, and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting, in a terrifying way. So I came into this through atheism, not through Christianity. I didn't, I didn't know the Bible, so there, I knew the author, but I didn't know the Bible, so I hadn't learned to trust it yet. I didn't know these people, and they're all screaming. I'm like, they're going to pull out the rattlesnakes any minute now. <laughs> what kind of church? I went there because the pastor's daughter was cute. Can I get a witness? Like, this is not spiritual at all. I was lonely. A friend invited me. I came back to the real Jesus. I was shocked that he took me back after all that I had done. And now they start talking about God wanting to move through me and in me. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll talk for Jesus. I'll teach a class. That's not it. I'll, I'll witness. I'll tell people about Jesus because I've done this before. He changed my life. I want to tell people about that. That's not it. So we got into like prophecy and tongues. It was, it was a, to, to go from a religious mindset or, I'm sorry, wrong word, to go from a Christian base in your theology from atheism is one thing. To go from this into Pentecost, can I get a witness? This is different. Maybe it's easier than being taught your whole life that these things don't exist and now trying to come into it. But for me, it was, it was a big step. Uh, my, my spirit was saved. My mind still had a lot of cause and effect type thinking. I mean, no faith doesn't fit in a test tube. It doesn't fit well on a test tube. Whole next series, we're going to talk about that. But I, this is what I did. I just, I, I just started to trust that what I was trying to do, God was honoring. So I would find myself sometimes in worship. Remember, being forgiven once, that's what God does. Being a prodigal and coming home, that's something completely different. I was grateful when Jesus saved me. It changed my life. When he took me back after going to the strip club, after going to the gay bar, after being an alcoholic on duty as a police officer, after lying to everybody, including myself, and going farther and farther and farther and farther and farther and farther away from him. When he took me back, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it wasn't the same. It was completely different. And I just, I would find myself wanting to express that to him in some way that would satisfy my spirit's desire to say thank you. 
Does that make any sense at all to you? And I, I remember praying, just saying, God, I just, thank you. Ah, oh, that's so lame. Thank you, thank you. Nope, twice as lame. Uh, I'm singing the songs. I'm singing them louder. I'm lifting my hands. I'm crying. God, thank no, I, I know, but everybody's saying the same thing I'm saying. And I don't mean what they're saying. I mean something different. You save them. That's great. They're old. They'll be in heaven tomorrow. Like, but I'm, I'm like, God, ah. And you, in that desire just to say thank you in a way that I couldn't express with every word that I knew, God gave me a language that I didn't. Does that make sense? And, and men tried to help me with that. They, they brought me forward on Holy Spirit night and, and the golden girls all got around me. And they, they were slapping me and shaking me and screaming in my ear and coaching me and you can't pray in English in tongues at the same time. Suck it in, let it out, blow it up. I, I... And, and with all the sincerity in the world, tried, tried to help me. But it wasn't, it was like a year later that I finally accepted the fact that God had given me something even before that night. I just hadn't really expressed it because I didn't know what to call it. I'll close with this story. You guys good? You still doing good? Because I know I'm over now, but it's not my fault. <laughs> I'm not sure who to blame, but it's not my fault. I'm, this is, I feel God in this moment. A friend of mine, Mark's his name, he came to this church, and, uh, and he didn't know that we believed in this, and he was taught not to believe in this. But one Sunday during worship, he heard somebody behind him worshiping, just, the guys, just as I described you. See, they were worshiping a little bit louder than maybe they should have. It was like at a congregational level versus a talking to themselves and to God level. And he went, oh, I'm in one of those churches. He'd been like three or four weeks. He'd, he'd come to the Lord, but he, he didn't know he was in one of those churches. So he talked to me afterwards and said, do you guys believe in this? Are you going to allow that? Are you going to shut it down? If you don't shut it down, I'm leaving. I said, well, the Bible says we should not forbid the speaking in tongues. Right in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, don't forbid it. Don't treat prophecy with the contempt. I mean, there's all sorts of coaching about, I'm sorry if it makes your, your, your quiver on the inside or whatever. But I said, okay, well, I guess I'll just stick around and see how, how I like it. Like, that's good because we really want to fit everybody because we're here to please you. I'm sorry. I rolled my eyes and pastors didn't roll their eyes, but pastors roll their eyes and that kind of stuff. Oh, it didn't make you happy. I'm sorry. Our product didn't meet your requirements. I don't know if I feel better or worse having said that, but I feel, I feel so <laughs> So two or three weeks later, two or three weeks later, worship time. And it's one of these things, but it's quiet. And, and it's, it, they're just going to play the music while it's going on. And, and Mark tells me, he said, man, I'm just like, God, they stopped singing. I, don't say. So he's, I, I just kept singing. He said, I'm singing. I'm just loving God. My hands are raised. I'm just loving God. And about a minute and a half, two minutes in, I realized I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth right now. And he thought, oh, no, it's contagious. I'm one of them now. So he came to me and said, what, what does this mean? Just like on the day, what does this mean? I'm like, well, it, what does it mean? It means you ran out of human words and God gave you some supernatural ones. And, and Mark, that'll work when you pray and you need supernatural words. And that'll work, that'll, that'll work wherever, whenever the Holy Spirit says, Mark, swing this one. This, this one will get it down. Whatever that gift is, Mark, use this one. So I'm, I'm just here to tell you guys, you say, well, how do I, how do I get this? If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Holy Spirit give, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Stand your feet all over this room. Some of you are like, oh boy, here we go. It's time for the altar call. 
I knew I was in a weird church when the pastor was carrying a club, and now he's talking about tongues. I'm just going to take all the, all the terror out of it. How many ever wanted to say something to God and you didn't have the right words? The Holy Spirit will give you the right words. And I want you to look for that. We, we sometimes like to leave a, a season just for seeking. Just like right now, I'm, I'm 13 minutes over. And it doesn't matter to somebody like, no, come on, let's just spend the next hour in prayer. Some of you are like, I, I told my friends I'd meet them at, at Mega 10 minutes ago. So this is what we're going to do. You guys ready for this? This Friday night. Babe, is that right? This Friday night's worship night? What time is it? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock this Friday night. Let's do this. Anybody who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come Friday night, 7 o'clock. Do we have child care? Good, because the kids need to get filled with the Holy Spirit too. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Like, let's, I mean, we have child care. Let's cancel it. Because we, we need the kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit, too. And, and let's, let's just come in with an open mind and an open heart and see what God does. And you might find yourself somewhere in there where one of these gifts manifest, where we just, I just feel like i got to say something to you. Like, and it comes out of your mouth, and it's, and it's a prophetic word that you didn't believe in five weeks ago because you didn't know the gifts were for today. Or maybe you're over here, and you're like, God, I love you so much. I, just, I wish I had one more thing to say to you. And all of a sudden, out of your mouth will come these words that you don't even understand. It, it's not a night to, to fight it's not a night to be divided. It's, it's just a night to enjoy Jesus. How about we let Jesus be in charge of his church? All right? He can be in charge of the schedule. He can be in charge of the kids. We can let them run rampant. We'll put sharp objects in the corner, and we'll just trust God tonight. Amen? How many of you guys need a good night of just seeking God? Friday night, 7 o'clock. Let's worship. Let's seek the Lord. How many of you guys believe God's going to fill people with the Holy Spirit? All right. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I seal this thing with a prayer. God, we, we want to see more of you. And we want to see less of us. So we pray as these gifts would come our way, teach us to swing these clubs well. I thank you for the hunger that's in our heart. Between now and Friday, we got things to pray about. We got things to study. We got things to think about. We got conversations to have. But Friday night, God, I pray that these altars would be filled with people being baptized, filled, immersed, overcome, blessed by you, by your spirit. Let tongues of fire come and separate over our heads and the sound of a strong wind blow through the room, God, whatever that looks like. What you did for them, you don't love them more than us, so we ask for what you gave them and even more. How's that? We'll even ask for more. We love you, God. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're not right with the Lord today, maybe this teaching was a little bit like, what what are they talking about? I get that. Know this before you leave. It's all about the love of God. It's all about Jesus coming to this earth to die for our sins, the perfect offering for every sinner's sin. I, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. And now I'm a saint walking in that same grace. Jesus did that for me. It was a gift that I received. And in this last 30 seconds, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, I got good news for you. If there's a wall between you and him, he just jumped over it and he's standing next to you. If you thought it was a stairway that you had to climb, a stairway of good works, I, I got news for you. It, it's not a stairway, it's a door. And he's knocking at it right now. You're not right with God, but you want to be. Just tell him. He can hear everything you pray before you pray it. Tell him, forgive me. Give me a clean slate and a fresh start. Fill me with your spirit. Do what you did for Mark. Do what you did for Pastor Jim. Do what you did for Peter. Just do it, God. In my life, be the wind in my sails and move me wherever you go. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. Whatever your prayer sounds like, pray it. God, I pray you'd hear these prayers. You'd seal them. Friday night, God, a mighty rushing wind.